Do you want to do search engine optimization? Well, I've been doing search engine optimization for over six years, and I've learned so much over the years, that, and I want to teach you how to do SEO and how to make a full-time income doing SEO for yourself and for other clients. Because when you learn how to do SEO, you can do affiliate marketing and you can make money through brands and sponsorships. So if you want to learn how I did search engine optimization, how I started a search engine optimization business, well, you're going to want to click the first link down below in the show notes. It's going to take you to a free SEO training that I put together myself. And it's about a 50 minute training and it's going to get you started with SEO. And so you'll want to click that first link down below in the podcast notes, sign up for that free training. It's totally free. There's no strings attached and you'll get this free training again, 50 minute training that will teach you everything you need to know about search engine optimization. So again, click that first link down below in the description and let's get into the podcast. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning into the Marketing Edge podcast with Scott Leventon. We have a special episode for you guys today. We actually have our first guest on the show. So it's a big uh, milestone for the Marketing Edge podcast. Uh, first guest on the show, I'm happy to introduce Lucas Chasen. Lucas, it's a funny story how me and Lucas met. We actually met on the Birthright Israel trip, believe it or not. So if you've never heard of the Birthright Israel trip, it's just a free trip to Israel for uh, people with Jewish heritage. Uh, people with, uh, from the ages of 18 through 26, if you have any Jewish heritage from either of your parents, you can sign up for a free Israel trip. So that's actually how me and Lucas met. And it's a very funny story. So I met Lucas uh, on the Birthright Israel trip and we got talking. He mentioned what he does for his business. He's an entrepreneur and videographer, which I'm sure Lucas will get into, of course. And uh, me and Lucas, yeah, we kind of just hit it off. We, uh, we met on the Birthright trip. Lucas was with a couple of his friends. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Me and Lucas remain friends and we're actually working together now. Um, Lucas has a client that uh, he wanted to, to partner with me on and uh, we're getting some results for that client. So we're really happy. We want excited to see where things go with that consulting client. And again, happy to have Lucas on. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Well, Scott, thank you very much. I am honored to be your first guest on the podcast. Um, I was actually listening to a few of your episodes earlier. And uh, it's good stuff. I think you talk a lot, a lot about great content, um, sort of online business related topics. And uh, I'm really honored to be here to talk about my business. And uh, I've enjoyed working with you thus far on our client. Um, yeah. And also just to uh, sort of piggyback off what you just said about uh, Israel. Seriously, for anyone out there, you can have uh, Jewish heritage in your parents. Even if you have one grandparent who is Jewish, uh, they will pay for your whole trip and it is fully worth it. So yeah, great, great way to meet people, um, cool entrepreneurs, young professionals. Um, there's a lot of good stuff there. So, yeah, and I look forward to talking to you today, Scott. Very cool. Yeah, thanks for the introduction, Lucas. And if you guys don't aren't familiar with Lucas, which you might not be, he is a very talented videographer. He actually showed me a couple of the projects that he was working on while we were in Israel, and I was blown away uh, with the quality of his work and videography. And it's pretty cool. Lucas is branching out into social media marketing and again, consulting with social media clients. So Lucas, again, very talented videographer. Just want to get into kind of how Lucas, how you got started in videography, because at least in my experience, they don't really teach videography like in high school. I know unless like you're like a TV film major in college, like you're probably not really even going to be exposed to videography. So if you could just get into a little bit of what got you interested in videography from the start and kind of how you got started in that industry. Yeah, definitely. So uh, like you say, there's not really a focus in teaching filmmaking, I think, in high school and in the sort of younger educational systems. Um, in When you do study it in high school in that capacity, it's more of a film studies where you kind of 
like if even at all, you'll watch kind of old movies, maybe learn a little bit about old directors. Um, but as far as the filmmaking process, they really don't teach that. And, um, you know, you could even make a good argument that in universities, they don't really teach it too much as well. Um, I went to Syracuse University in the film program. Um, not to be confused, for those of you who are somewhat familiar with Syracuse University, there's a famous uh, marketing school, Newhouse. And so when you tell people, oh, I went to uh, Syracuse and studied film, they typically think you studied at Newhouse. So I actually studied at uh, the Visual and Performing Arts School, which is where they teach the more artistic side of filmmaking. Um, whereas in Newhouse, they teach more marketing related, uh, the business side of film, if you will. Um, and a lot of Newhouse kids, they tend to go into the industry in LA. Um, but I knew pretty much from the beginning that I did not want to go into the film industry because um, that's sort of a uh, path that's been pre-carved, if you will. You work on other people's sets. You have to work for, you know, talent agency. Um, and there's something to be said for that path, of course. But I always knew that I kind of wanted to do my own thing, that I wanted to pursue creative projects of my own. And um, I never really thought that I'd start my own business, but it kind of became a no-brainer after I graduated from film school, um, thinking that, you know, it's like every film person, they want creative independence. They want to be able to pursue uh, projects that they're passionate about. Um, and, you know, how do you do that? You have to have money. You have to, you know, it's all about, it all comes down to finances. Um, and so the question becomes, how do you make a living for yourself um, while also pursuing that creative path that so many people in film want to do? Um, and so the answer, at least for me, was to work with clients and work with other small businesses and sort of find a way to help other people um, sort of execute on a vision of some kind in, in the marketing field to kind of, it, it really is marketing, right? So um, in that sense, I was able to sort of independently work on projects while also working with others and they become my clients. Um, and once, so yeah, I started my own production company um, and I have a number of clients, which I guess we'll get into more, but at least in the university stage, um, yeah, they really don't teach filmmaking of that capacity. You just kind of have to do it. You have to learn it by doing it. Um, and I think anyone in the background in film would kind of agree with that. You really can't learn film unless you do it. Um, so yeah. And also thank you for that really nice introduction earlier. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for sharing that, Lucas. I want to get into some of the clients that you're working with now because you did mention that you have some clients. And then also I think it's interesting how you touched on that, like you don't really want to you know, work for like a film production agency. And I think that's really cool because it seems like a lot, at least some of the podcasts and YouTubers that I watch, like you could actually have a career just like producing video content for like popular YouTubers or popular podcasts. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't really see that as a viable career path, um, but it really is, especially today. There's so many, you know, YouTubers, there's so many podcasters and they all need, you know, a video production crew, whether it's video editing, production, you know, post-production. I'm not an expert on it, but I do know that there is definitely a need for people in video. So it's really cool that you're kind of in this emerging industry. Um, but back to my question, can you tell me a little bit about the clients that you work with now? Um, what type of businesses they are, how long you've been working with them? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so I currently live in New York City. It's where I grew up. I was born here and I was raised here. Um, and so this is where I sort of run my business. Um, and I'm happy to say that I've sort of carved a sort of niche for myself uh, in recent months um, in the sort of nightlife of New York. Um, I shot a um, commercial over a bar opening last month. Actually, I'll, I'll maybe touch on that later because I had an issue with that client. Um, but I also did a uh, some video work for um, a gin company out of England called Brockman's Gin. 
Um, they're sort of a premium uh, luxury gin brand, but I think they're big in England, but they've been trying to expand into the U.S. and into uh, Canada, Australia, some other countries. Um, so it was really nice to um, work for them. Um, and from what I hear, they uh, they had a good reception of my work over in London. So I was nice to uh, nice to hear that. Nice to work with uh, clients of that caliber. Um, my current client, who it's like you you touched on um, on the different phases of film production, you know, post production and production. And there's of course pre production. Um, and I can throughout the episode, I can get into some of the details of that if you want me to. Um, but I also realized very recently that social media is where a lot of business is at. And so if you would ask me in high school or in college, I would have said, oh, no, I don't like social media. I think it's kind of, a, um, you know, fast food of video content, if you will, like uh, not much sophistication, not much uh, depth there. Um, but really, that's where the business is at. And so. You know, I've kind of gotten into social media management um, more. Uh, the client that I brought you in on, um, Alpha Dog, which is a doggy daycare out in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Um, they do very high quality work where you can drop your dog off and uh, you pick up your dog a couple weeks later. And while your dog is there, you maybe got to go on vacation or a business trip or whatever. And you want your dog to be looked after and then they'll train your dog while you're there. So I'm lucky enough to have them as my client. And uh, it's a really cool service. And I made them a... Um, a video commercial for that business about a year and a half ago now. Um, the client was happy with the video that we made them. Um, and then so I came back to them and I pitched them uh, social media management. Um, and um, so we are maybe on the fourth month of um, me running their social media. And that was kind of new for me because it was sort of an expansion of my uh, video background into the new sphere of what video is becoming lately, which is really everything's on social media, which you know, I partially don't like it, but then when you open your mind a little bit and you realize the potential of social media and how you can really reach almost unlimited amounts of people and, you know, especially with a niche, uh, like in that case of dogs. So there are so many dog lovers out there. And so as soon as I realized, you know, people love dogs, everyone loves dogs and you have this business here. This is what I was saying to my client. You guys have this business um, and I can make content for you guys. Uh, and we can sort of put this in front of a lot of eyeballs who might not have known that you existed without that. And so that's the potential of social media that I've sort of in recent months been uh, more aware of. And this was also something that we bonded about um, when we were in Israel together, um, since that, of course, is your business. And, um, you know, you see all these uh, social media related businesses coming up lately. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's because that is it's the future. It's the present. Um, there's so much potential there. Um, and so. Yeah, that was sort of an evolutionary period for me, just realizing the full potential of social media. Um, and the nice thing is, given my background in video and film, um, I sort of felt like I was in a good position to market these services to clients that I could say, look, you want social media. Everyone knows social media is the future. It's the present. Um, but, you know, people need that video quality, too, because it's quality, right? That's how you gather attention. Um, so. I've been trying to uh, tailor my services towards social media lately with a focus on video and quality. Yes, right. There's your long winded right. answer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. Now we're going to get back to your dog, uh, the client that's the, the dog training business, alpha dog. We're going to get back to that because I do want to dive into how, you know, your strategy, especially for video and social media would differ between like a client like alpha dog, which is the dog, of course, the dog business, versus you know maybe the other bars or nightlifes that you've created content for before because as a videographer and i'm not an expert but i know that your approach is obviously going to be a lot different 
So we're actually going to get back to that to see. I, I want to unpack a little bit about what your strategy would be for the dog business. Um, but for now, I want to actually get back to kind of your start in the in the entrepreneurship and videography industry. Um, so when did you kind of realize that you know you wanted to start a business? Because a lot of the listeners and a lot of my audience, they are you know, they're interested in starting an online business or just a regular business, whether it's, you know, videography, graphic design, whatever it might be. Um, but a lot of people, they just, they don't really just, it's the hardest part is getting started. So can you just touch on like, what kind of, what did you feel that really made you get started and what kind of motivated you to start your business? Yeah, well, I, I definitely appreciate that question because it's like you said, the hardest part is getting started. And, um, for me, I didn't even realize that I wanted to be uh, an entrepreneur or a business runner um, until I was kind of taking a look at the options uh, after graduating university. Um, so I graduated from Syracuse in 2020. And of course, that was at the height of the pandemic. Um, so I kind of had that buffer period where everyone was in lockdown and um, there was really nothing to do. You know, it was like everyone was just like watching the news all day. Um, and so I had that benefit of um, being able to sort of sit back and be like, all right, what do I actually want to do? Um, and those extra months are what made me realize I wanted to actually have a business. Um, whereas if the pandemic hadn't happened, I might've rushed into some job in some studio, um, or, you know, agency in LA, I was actually considering moving to LA and, um, I could not be happier that I did not do that. Uh, you know, so, um, I realized that, and look, everyone who, a lot of people who are in film or who study film. Um, their their dream in life is to write and direct, right? And so growing up, this was what I wanted to do. You know, everyone thinks that they're like Tarantino or, you know, Martin Scorsese or all these big names in film. I want to write and I want to direct. Okay, cool. But how do you actually do that, you know? Um, so I realized that if I wanted to maintain my independence and my creative freedom, the only way to do that is by having a business. You, you cannot do that by working for someone else, you know? And I think that probably applies to any field, but especially in creative fields like film. And the, the cool thing about film is that there actually is a market utility there. So you can provide value to other businesses um, through film and through videography. Um, and that gives you a sort of advantage where you could have a business and provide that service to others um, because you're either going to be working for yourself or you're going to be working for someone else. Those are the two options. And um, I figure, you know, if I want to pursue projects that are, it's like, you know, just on that note, um, when you're working for a client, technically, you know, the client is kind of like your boss, but they're looking to you for the answers. Whereas if you were working in a production company or in a studio or something, um, you would kind of always have someone above you. Uh, it's better to have a client looking towards your expertise uh, because that's your field. You know, if someone hires you for a service, they're expecting you to have the answers. They're expecting you to execute on the vision. They might have the vision, but it's your job to execute. And um, it's, the same thing almost when you work in a production studio, um, except, you know, now I've been able to build up a sort of portfolio of work where I can sort of own up to it and be like, yeah, I did these for other businesses and other clients, but this is my work, you know, um, as opposed to just being some editor in someone else's video or, you know, holding the mic on something. And we've all, we all have to do that. And I recommend everyone in at least in the film does that too. Um, but there's something to be said for just running the projects your way and delivering it to a client instead of just being beholden to the, all the whims of other people who are above you in, a, in the same field. Um, no, sorry. What was the actual question <laughs> going off on tangents? Yeah, just kind of how, and, and you did answer the question, just like how you kind of got your entrepreneurial path and what made you 
kind of, yeah, want to start that business. But I actually want to go back to kind of like your early career. Um, like, how did you kind of like was was most of your skills in video? Was that developed in college or did you kind of, you know, do a lot of that on your own? And then what was kind of the role of your college education when it comes to videography? So honestly, maybe controversial answer to this question. Um, I think that if I would have skipped college entirely, I would have had probably the same level of skill set. Um, I probably could have started this business when I was 18 and maybe would have been more successful by now. Although I'm not, I, I do not regret going to film school because it's about who you know, right? It's like what you know is one thing, but who you know is really what's going to propel you to success. Um, and that's in any field, but especially in film. And so when you go to film school, you have the benefit of working with a lot of talented people and building friendships and connections of people who have similar interests. And, um, you know, there's sort of this like nerd culture where people who study in film school, like you love movies and, you know, uh, you have a love for the, the art of storytelling and cinematography, and you know, lighting and all these little details that uh, you might not think about sound design, music, all these uh, aspects of film that as a viewer, you might be passively, maybe subconsciously um, taking it in, but you're not going to, um, you know, sort of break down or deconstruct the different elements of it in the way that you would with if you're really studying it. So I, I benefited from building friendships and connections. Uh, and of course, uh, business, my business partner, um, who I work with very closely right now, I met him in film school, my, my good friend Ari. Um, and I would not be able to do any of my projects without Ari. So, um, you know, obviously Ari's not here right now, but shout out to Ari, he's the man. And um, yeah, and I think the, a lot of uh, film projects, I mean, you go see a movie, you go watch Tarantino, you see Pulp Fiction, whatever. And then the credits roll and it's a directed by Quentin Tarantino, but he's not the only one who worked on that. You know, uh, the, you require the creative vision and direction of the one person who's in charge, of course, but you have dozens of people, sometimes hundreds of people working on the crew in every aspect. It's very much a collaborative, um, field. So I think university is very helpful in that sense because you're sort of meeting and you're making friends with potential collaborators. Um, but as far as base skill level, I don't think school really did much. It, like, I mean, you can't really study film. You know, you can study movies, you can study the, the art of film. Um, and film is very much a language, uh, which I can maybe touch on uh, a little bit later. Or, you know, there is a subconscious language and element to film that everyone kind of understands, even if you haven't studied filmmaking. But the actual way of making films you know, you just got to do it. Like you, you can't study it. You got to do it. And um, so, and yeah, again, it's helpful to study movies. It's helpful to uh, study directors. It's helpful to sort of learn the equipment and you got to do all that. Right. But you still have to just experience what it's like to be on set. You have to experience what it's like to write a script and to try and execute on that script and audition and uh, you know, cast a, this is just for fiction because there's you know, other types of film, but even for uh, commercial work, you want to audition for models. You want to, um, you know, make sure that people that you're bringing on board have the right look and have the right feel. And then there's an energy on set, you know, how do people work together? There's a lot of egos in this field. Um, everyone thinks that they're the greatest, you know, every, every actress thinks that they're the prettiest, you know, there's all these egos involved. And so how you manage those egos, I think is, um, you, you can't teach that, you know, this is, it's people management. It's something that you just got to learn through experience. Um, and I think when you run your own business, just to sort of circle back to what we were saying before, I think running your own business really gives you an advantage in learning those vital skills, whereas working on someone else's film set or working through someone else's company, 
I think um, then you sort of become a cog in their machine instead of really, you know, managing it. And I think for a lot of people in this field, you have big dreams. Everyone has big dreams in film. Um, and in my opinion, the best way to achieve those dreams is just by carving your own path. All the greats before us, they all carved their own path. They figured it out, you know. Um, so I've just been a believer in, in sort of going off the beaten path. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Like, I, I, no one knows who I am yet, but, uh, you know, we're all hustling, right? So, and I would I would have it no other way. Like, um, not even just in film, but I one thing and another um, component of me wanting to start a business I did not want to have a nine to five, you know, I wanted to make my own hours. I wanted to sort of um, this whole idea of separating our time from our money. Um, I think that's crucial no matter what business you're in, because then it becomes about business and, you know, less about what your business is. But this was a big thing for me. I wanted to just run my own life. Um, and when you run your own life, you have more creative juices. I feel like, you know, you have that, that sort of feeling of independence and then that feeling of independence will aid your creativity. Whereas if you're just bogged down by what other people want you to do, that really limits your creativity in my experience. So, yeah. 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 Very cool. I want to actually touch on a couple of things that you mentioned just there. And you kind of said that, you know, you could have done just as well. I'm paraphrasing if you didn't go to college. Um, and I think that's a really good point because especially not so much in the videography field, but more like, in the business field and like sales, like if you're going to pursue a career in sales or business, um, you don't always need to go to college and go into debt to just like get into a business school. Um, even like the top business school programs, if you're that smart enough to get into those, you're probably just as smart enough to learn everything on your own, to be honest. Um, so it's interesting that you said that you didn't really need college in your opinion. And I think that more people just need to know that like not going to college and just like pursuing like technical training or just like these types of skills on your own, that it's actually a very viable option. So it's interesting that you said that you didn't really feel like college basically was all that much help for you. Um, I also want to get to actually, on. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, about that. sorry um, but I, I would actually add one more comment to that. And um, I dare say that college might even ruin people's creativity. Um, because especially, so I had this old mentor in uh, high school, um, who, who told me, um, and of course this is not a rule hundred percent of the time, but generally speaking, um, and this is kind of controversial, but I stand by it. I think those who can't do teach. So, you know, I'll repeat it. Those who can't do teach. And so I really had this. And so my mentor actually said this before I went to college and it was almost like a warning. And then I went to college and, um, a lot of my professors, I just did not vibe with at all. And I felt that in a lot of my classes, whenever I would have a creative idea, um, these sort of critique based classes where they would just look for something to say you were doing wrong. And if I would have come in with the, with the thing that they suggested you to change it to, if you would have done that first, then they would have said, change it to the thing that you did prior, you know, like they're always, the professors are always looking for something that's wrong and you can learn from them. But in a lot of the case, these people, just kind of didn't make it to where they wanted to be in life. And then so they defaulted on teaching because they have that base skill set. Um, but what happens is you have this sort of mentality of um, of failure, like it's a precondition, you know, and then that sort of rubs off on the students. And I mean, maybe some of my classmates would disagree with me on that. Um, but I don't think a lot of our professors were sort of ended up in life at a place that they thought that they, that they would have when they were our age. Um, and I think a lot of that disappointment kind of translated into the way that they teach. So, um, and I think that applies to a lot of fields in the, in the art, in artistic realm, you know, 
be it visual drawing or be it film or be it writing or be it, you know, anything under artistic field. I think a lot of these people who teach um, maybe had greater aspirations when they were younger. And so you got to ask yourself, is it really worthwhile um, putting all these, you know, ambitious young people in, in the same room, learning from adults who did not make it to where they wanted to make it and then fall back on teaching and they're kind of salty about it. So yeah, sorry for interrupting you, but I just wanted to add that. Yeah, no, no worries. And how you said like uh, those who can't do teach, um, it's actually a fun, if you've seen a really, not really old, but it probably in like the 2000s, it's called School of Rock with Jack Black. And I remember he actually said that he was like, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach, teach gym. And I just thought that was a really <laughs> cool quote. It made me think of that. But a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we move on. Um, how you said like you you either work for someone else or you work for yourself. Um, another way to kind of say that is like you're either building your own dream or you're building someone else's dream. So I think that's a really yes. powerful way to put this in perspective, especially the people listening who probably want to get into entrepreneurship. Maybe you have an idea um, or maybe you just want to get started. And you're not sure what your idea is. Um, it goes back to just like getting started and how Lucas said that to learn video and to learn film, you kind of just have to do it. And it's kind of the same in my field with like uh, copywriting, freelance writing and SEO. Um, like you, you definitely need to lay the foundation and learn a lot about these copywriting and SEO principles before you can actually go out and do it. But then once you've learned, you know, enough, even like if you're not the world's expert, just like Lucas said, you have to go out and you have to do it. So I think that's a really good lesson, especially for people that are just really getting started, you know, with their online business. So we're going to move on. We're actually going to go over kind of like your entrepreneurial journey. And I want to ask like how we're going to switch gears. I want to ask how your work life balance is right now, because a lot of entrepreneurs, at least that, you know, I've come across, like they think that the only option like for an entrepreneur is to work 10, 12, 14 hour days and just grind and grind and grind. Um, but I think when we talked in Israel, you said like your work balance, your work life balance was actually pretty good. So if you could just touch on what your work-life balance is and kind of where you're at with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, um, I, I like to joke. Uh, I joke with my friends and I'm always on a crackhead schedule, which is true. I mean, um, especially when I'm in the middle of jobs, like I'll be up at four in the morning editing. Um, so I think that's one of the benefits of my field is that in any many uh, artistic fields in general, if you find a way to monetize your art, I mean, artists have really wacky hours. So um you know, I think that uh, it's really a benefit. Um, so as far as my work-life balance goes, um, I, I try to, you know, keep it structured as I possibly can. I try to wake up at reasonable hours, you know, I try. But it, sometimes it can be hard, right? Because it's like there's, there's no one really hounding you to, you got to clock into the office at 8.57 a.m., you know? Um, if you, you don't have that, uh, that sort of force keeping you in check, you really have to keep yourself in check. And uh, for anyone who's ambitious, you might not have a problem with that. Um, but... It, it really, it sort of gives another layer of discipline and that's really what it is. You have to be disciplined. Um, and, uh, so, but I'm kind of in the hustle stage right now. Like I have a couple of clients that, um, that I'm sort of focusing on that I'm watering, but I'm, I'm also trying to expand. Um, I, you know, I live in New York, so rent is high and, uh, it's definitely, you know, I wouldn't say it's a struggle, but it's a hustle, you know, um, two days ago I was going store to store with my business cards, uh, hitting, you know, store after store in the Upper East Side, just walk in, introduce myself and say, 
hey, you know, uh, I'm so-and-so, I do, I have film production, my name's Lucas Chasen, I have film production business, I'll do videography, photography. I, I also added photography as a service recently because people want photography, even though that's not my main thing, but they're similar enough. Um, and social media related work. So I will be going store to store, rejected, rejected. Some people are nice enough and they take your card and then they still reject you. And I'm like, hey man, that card costs money to print, give it back. But you know, so people have different ways. And then um, after a few stores, I finally hit a store where the dude was interested. And um, I have a, we, we had a meeting and um, I'm actually gonna do a shoot uh, this Friday with this guy. Um, and so this is how it goes, you know, it's like, um, you just gotta, as an entrepreneur, you gotta find your own op opportunities. And so, um, you know, the work-life balance really is structured around um, sort of, you have to have like a mental sanity because you can't be working too much, you know, like a lot, like you, you touched on this before, like a lot of entrepreneurs, they can have to work like 14 hour days, every single day, seven days a week, you know, more than that. Like every waking moment, every breath that you take has to be related to your business. Um, I think there's something to be said for hard work and for being disciplined and, you know, working long hours, especially when you run your own business that could potentially, you know, put you above. Um, but you also got to stay sane, you know, and, and like embrace the benefits of having your own business, which is that you kind of, you can run your work life balance the way you want, you know? Um, so there are days where I sleep in and I don't feel bad about it because I still get my work done later on in the day, you know? Um, and there are days where, especially on a shoot day, um, you know, there are days where I'll wake up at five in the morning and, um, uh, particularly on longer shoots, like, uh, last year I was working on a, uh, film, uh, on a, uh, uh, sort of campaign for a antique fashion and art store, uh, based in New Jersey. And we were making um, a lot of videos for, for them. Um, and that was a whole, like maybe a month long, a month and a half long process. Um, and there was maybe a, a week straight where every day I was. I was basically getting like three hours of sleep per night because I had to manage um, all these models that we were hiring and, um, you know, work with the client and work with the models, work with the film crew, make sure that everyone comes together. Um, and then, of course, because I'm based in New York and then the, the shoot, the client is out in Jersey. So I'd have to, you know, meet up with people uh, and all of our, our models and uh, all of our crew at like 5.30 a.m. outside of Penn Station. We're going on this train to be here by this time so we can start filming at 8 a.m um you know be done by 6 p.m so and like you know all these logistical things that you have to really consider when you run your own uh business at least in film um so and to kind of go back to your question um some days are really long some days the hours are you know so aggressive but you gotta love what you do right so like on those long film days i actually have a lot of fun you know um and uh, no two days are alike uh every time you do a shoot the crew might be different the the talent might be different the problems that you face, um, you know, you want to get the shot, but the sun is over here and it's casting a shadow across the, the model's face. So you can't get the shot that you want. And you got to readjust the whole set to try and get the clear image because the client is over there and the client wants to make sure that you get the, the handbag that they're trying to sell and perfect gleam in the, in the, you know, there's all kinds that you couldn't even imagine. Like when you sit down and watch a video, a professionally made video or a film or a movie, a TV show, there are so many problems that come up on the set. And it doesn't matter how much you plan it out. You know, like you come with the most well-prepared shot list. You could have the, the best drawn storyboards in history and something will go wrong and you'll have to adapt. And really thinking on your feet is part of it. Um, so on those days, those are long days. I mean, I've worked 20 hour days before for many, many days at a time. But then you might have a couple of weeks where your schedule is totally unstructured and, you know, that comes down to the editing. Um, like uh, last month, or I guess almost two months ago now, uh, when I filmed an event at a bar downtown, I had about a week to deliver that to the client. 
Um, and uh, during that week, uh, on that weekend, I flew out to San Francisco, went to go see Dave Chappelle. Uh, because like at that stage in my work, I could have I could edit on the go, and I did. And I was editing on the plane, and I was editing in San Francisco. Uh, I also got to check in on my client over there, so it was like a two birds one stone situation. But you know that's the benefit of this kind of lifestyle is that I mean I still have to get my work done, you know. But it's a little bit unstructured, and as long as you get the work done, you know that that kind of um, it, it sort of works it, it works it out. But you have to be disciplined, and you have to maintain focus on the vision of the projects otherwise everything could fall apart very fast and when you when you're the one in charge of these sort of big productions a lot of moving pieces and a lot a lot of other people who are taking time out of their lives you know um so there's kind of a sense of responsibility there the client has something to sell um so there's a lot of things you have to consider um but i wouldn't have any other way you know it, it for me it beats a nine to five any day of the week every day you know um, but it does involve sometimes working at 4 a.m. on a Saturday, um, you know, instead of going out. So you got to make those sacrifices, I think, when you're a business owner, um, as I'm sure, you know, you know, and anyone out there who has a business knows. Um, but there are so many benefits to it. So that it, to me, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, something that you said, and I want to touch on this. This is going to be the last thing before we go into kind of your creative process and what goes into actually making the videos for your clients. You did mention earlier in the podcast that you had some issues with some clients. Um, if you could just get into some of the issues you've faced with your clients, um, how you kind of deal with those issues, if you can remedy the situation, um, because people that do start, especially an online business where you're working with clients, um, there's gonna be an inevitable time where you get into a disagreement, whether it's someone doesn't submit the payment or whatever it might be. Um, so you mentioned you had some struggles. I just want you to touch on some of the struggles you have and, or have had in the past and kind of how you've overcome them and still kind of moved on with your business. Sure. Um, so, um, well, is that, are you asking me about uh, client struggles or just overall running the business? Yeah, I think you mentioned it was the one bar that you filmed that you did have some issues with them. No need to name the bar or anything like that. But if you could just <laughs> go into what kind of happened with that client. Yeah, sure. So um, this was an opportunity that that came to me after um, I filmed the uh, event video for Brockman's Gym um, last summer, um, and that went very well. And I met certain influencers on that project who work with other bars. And so I was sort of expanding this niche of downtown restaurants and bars in Manhattan. Um, and so this one opportunity sort of fell into my lap where uh, there's a bar opening downtown and they wanted some initial social media content and a, a little... Uh, highlight video for their opening event. So, I mean, I was like in a state of euphoria here. I was, it was a good contract. It was, um, I won't get into the numbers, but it was a good amount of money. Um, and, uh, I mean, I was literally, I had a gin and tonic in one hand and my camera in the other hand going around, like, you know, flirting with, uh, you know, with like <laughs> Instagram models, like at this, at this bar at the opening and getting paid to do that. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know? And that was like one of the you know, as far as mentally, I was like, yeah, like the best decision ever starting a business. And, um, you know, so I put together the uh, the video for them about the bar. And you got the bartenders making drinks and people laughing and cheering, you know, all of the event stuff. Um, and uh, so the client, they had written me the check on the night of. And I was like, wow, these are some great people, you know, like they wrote me the check. I didn't even deliver them the, the video yet. So like, here we go. And then I go to deposit the check. 
And mind you, this is after I pay for all my crew and the equipment rental. Because when you run a, a production, um, a sort of professional uh, film production, you get you have expenses. You have I have a crew. Um, I mentioned my business partner Ari, so he gets a cut, of course. Um, there was a finder's fee for the influencer who brought me the job. Um, there's uh, equipment rental. Um, you know, there's transportation, getting crew to the location, all these different logistics, right? So I paid for all that out of pocket. I had the check from the client, which was going to cover my expenses as well as my, you know, my profit, my, you know, what I was going to get paid. And I'm like, here you go. The check's in my hand. This is great. I go to deposit it and then bang, check bounces. I would get a note from my bank that the, the you know, that it's not going through. I'm like, huh, what's all this about? Um, so, uh, and that's after we had filmed and everything. Um, so what ended up happening with that was I waited for a couple of weeks, um, that, and, uh, the client, they kept stalling. They kept saying, oh, they made up some story about, oh, their locations got robbed for a hundred thousand dollars or some, you know, some bullshit story. Like they really, like you hear a lot when, when you're, uh, when you're an entrepreneur and you're relying on the client and they, they owe you money, everyone's a schemer. Everyone wants an excuse to screw you. And this is, I mean, this is not just my business. This is just in every business, you know, we're talking about. New York, New York City bars. I mean, New York, I think, is notorious for this from a business perspective. Um, you have people who just will do the job and then they won't pay. So in a in a field like um, like construction, for example, um, you know, uh, it's a little bit different, right? Where you can you'll finish building a lobby for someone maybe, and then the lobby is done, and then you go, okay, so where's my money? And then the guy goes, oh well, there's a scratch over there. You know, it's not quite what we wanted, so we're not going to pay you. Oh, okay, fine. Um, with my field, I luckily have the benefit of, um, delivering the video to them. So usually what I'll do is if the client is honest, um, I'll put a watermark on the video. So it would just be my, my company name, Chase and media. And then I put that onto the finished product and then it'll be sort of like big letters that go over the whole screen, but it's sort of trans translucent or transparent, whatever you want to call it. So you could see the final product in the back. Um, and then once I would get paid, then I would remove the watermark and deliver it to the client. Um, in this case, since they never even paid me to begin with, I never even gave them the uh, final video. And it was disappointing to me because I was actually quite proud of that, uh, that video. I think I showed you in Israel too, uh, it was one of the projects it was unfinished, but, um, it was the cut that, you know, that would have been ready to show the client if they would have paid me. And since they didn't, uh, their check bounced and they kept giving me excuses. Um, and so I never delivered my product to them. So it's the kind of, it's this kind of deal where it's, you know, it's like if they want the if they want the uh, the product, then they're gonna have to pay me. And if they're not gonna pay me, then I'm not gonna deliver to them, right? So I get the benefit of having that as a sort of leverage. Um, it was unfortunate because I lost money on that job, um, but it was also a learning experience for me. So now, as a business owner, now no questions asked. I demand fifty percent upfront of whatever the agreement is from all my clients now before I even show up. And if I don't get that fifty percent, I'm not gonna show up because it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of the crew. And, um, you know, all the people who are involved in the production is just not fair. And so people, they don't, people don't, you know, think of others. It's not, it's, it's really unfortunate reality of business. Um, but I think once you're experienced enough in whatever business you're in, you start to adapt to that and you start to, um, you know, create some, uh, some guardrails, if you will, if you will, um, that can help prevent against that. So yeah, that's my thing now, 50% upfront, no questions asked. Um, but I wouldn't have had that policy if these guys hadn't screwed me over already. So, you know, it's all learning. And now with my future clients, I know what to do better and I know how to ensure. Because really, it's like you want, there's this, this phrase, uh, some of you might have heard, it's other people's money. And that's what, if you're a person 
in sort of money circles and rich circles, that's the phrase everyone has other people's money. It's all about getting money from that person and putting it in your pocket. And so everyone's got their way of doing it, but you know, um, so yeah, um, that's, that's been, yeah, that, that's the most recent time that a client has, um, been difficult, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you told me that the client, I mean, you said it was like over $2,000, I think when you told me that the client didn't pay anything, I was like, I was kind of shocked because a, a job like that, I was just shocked that they just wouldn't pay at all. So I think it's a really good idea, especially for these big, like, you know, video shoots that you do charge like 50% upfront. I think that's a really good idea because yeah, it, it's really just a, a crummy situation that the, the client didn't pay you anything for, I mean, you spent, you know, hours and hours and it was, you spent your own money. Like, it's just a really like a bad look for this client. Um, so yeah, that's just, I wanted to touch on that, but we're going to actually move into your kind of like your creative process. And I want to get your opinion on this before we delve into really your creative process. Um, I'm sure you're aware of the shift to short form content, um, whether it's from like TikTok really shook things up now, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, Facebook reels. I just want to get your opinion on, do you, are you kind of happy that mo it's moving towards short form content? Um, because obviously short form content, it's you know, less time consuming to produce each one. Um, but just kind of wanted to get your take on that because as you've kind of seen with the video industry, um, you know, it's obviously going to short form. So what's your kind of perspective on, you know, where that's kind of headed? Uh, so personally, by the way, I think my camera was glitching there, but you can see me perfectly, right? Yep. All right, cool. Uh, so personally speaking, um, so I kind of touched on this before, like I'm kind of, or at least I used to be more anti-social media. Um, to me, it was sort of like the junk food. I, I think I said before of um, what what video content has potential to be. Um, so my gut, my initial gut reaction to that shift is sort of negative. I think it, I think by um, by everything being sort of between ten seconds and a minute long, uh, we're losing out on a lot of sophistication. Um, but it, that was my initial reaction. But um, having been a little bit more experienced with social media um, and doing this for my clients now, um, I, I've kind of shifted my view a little bit. Um, and I, I kind of see this shift towards short form content as an opportunity more than anything. Um, because when you, when you package things in bite-sized amounts, um, you're not necessarily negating the long form content. I mean, look at what we're doing right here. You know, we're over 40 minutes into this episode. Um, I think we're having a pretty good conversation and talking about interesting subjects and someone is going to be out there listening to this and getting value from it. And maybe that person discovered you from one of your short form videos on uh, Instagram or YouTube. So I think that um, the, the, the nice thing about short form is that it gives you a capacity to scale up an audience a lot quicker than if you were only limited to short form content or uh, excuse me, longer form content. Um, I do, um, in addition to sort of my commercial work, I have some side uh, YouTube channels and things that I do that I've been taking advantage of short form content. Like for fun, sometimes I go out to the streets of New York and I interview um, random people about their political opinions and, you know, like stupid things, like silly things, like asking them their opinion about Joe Biden or whatever the political issue of the day is. And I'll get these answers and they'll be like two minute, two minute, three minute interviews and I'll just chop them down into, um, excuse me. I'll chop them down into like 20 second, 30 second moments. 
and uh, put them on YouTube. And I've gotten literally tens of thousands of views on um, on my interviews. Um, and they're not they're nothing even crazy. You know, they take me like 20 minutes, 30 minutes per video. And I'll, you know, film them on a day I have nothing else to do and just kind of for fun. And um, it's kind of cool to think that through the short form content, you're able to uh, potentially impact tens of thousands or at least thousands of people's lives. I mean, um, I've been doing this for my uh, client in California as well, um, which is a doggy daycare. So I mentioned this client before. Um, and so when I started managing their social media, I created them a, a, a YouTube channel too. Um, and we've been making daily uh, short form content about um, just dogs, you know, and like silly dog videos with uh, trending TikTok sounds, which usually like in the past, I hate this stuff. But now that I'm in this business, I really see the opportunities that, that are here. And so it's, it's cool. It's like you make a little video with your dog running in the field, and then we put it on our social media for, for my client. And we get thousands of views sometimes. Um, and I think that's really remarkable. And the potential for business and the potential for creativity, the potential for people to discover you and discover your niche and discover your content, uh, it, it really provides, I think, an immense opportunities for all creators out there. Um, what I will say is I think there's a risk uh, for creators um, sort of doubling down, maybe tripling down on short form content and losing the depth that I think would make different creators unique. So. Um, when you use them in tandem with long form content, I think short form is great. Uh, when it's simply just short form, um, I think that there is a risk to lose a lot of depth that the democratization of video uh, allows us to have in the age of social media. Because really anyone could, you have cameras on, on our phones, we have cameras, it's not hard to go by the SLR and, and make videos. So, you know, editing software is really cheap. Uh, and easy to use so pretty much you know video video stuff is actually pretty easy to do these days um but you know there is that risk that you lose depth when you only focus on short form but again there's a lot of opportunities there so that's kind of that's kind of my take on it mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree and it's kind of just like it's really with TikTok. i mean they really just shook up the game and i think just our attention spans are just getting shorter and shorter and yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the short form, but that looks like that's the way things are going. So, you know, you got to adapt, you got to go with the trends. So I totally agree with what you're saying. Now I want to switch gears and I want to talk about something that's called like a passion project, because I know that you do have a couple of passion projects in the works. And so how do you kind of, or like, I guess I want to know what your kind of goal is. Like, obviously you have your videography business going now. It looks like, it sounds like it's going well. It sounds like you're still building it but you have some of the passion projects. Can you get into some of the passion projects that you have and kind of what your goal is to maybe pursue them in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, so um, I would say that my primary passion project right now is actually a, a YouTube channel that I started during COVID a couple of years ago um, when I was just kind of in lockdown and quarantine um, without much to do. And I was kind of in the portfolio building phase and, um, so anyone who knows me knows that I have a, a big, uh, a big interest in politics and international relations um, and not just the sort of like entertainment focused politics that America has become about in recent years, um, but real like, geopolitics and um, sort of real uh, relations between nations and history and this kind of thing. This stuff fascinates me. I love this stuff. So in a, in a way, I would actually say I've said this before that um, I actually enjoy learning about politics and history more than I enjoy learning about film. 
I've just enjoyed doing film more. That's why it's my business. But I really like my one of my bigger passions is politics and power and you know resources, geopolitics in general. I think is really fascinating. So I started this YouTube channel where I make um, documentary videos about the histories of different countries. Where um, so I have the not not too many. I have three videos out right now. Um, I'm working on the fourth. But the reception has been really positive and they've gotten some cool viewership. Um, so I have for Belize, these are the countries that I've made so far, Belize and Kazakhstan and Switzerland. So three sort of more obscure countries that, um, at least in Western media, we don't really learn too much about these countries' history. So I did a lot of uh, research about uh, the histories of these countries and um, I wrote script and re recorded myself as a voiceover and um, put together uh, through pictures and artwork and videos, uh, which all fall under fair use. Um, and I made these documentaries um, about the histories and um, we have original music. And so I tried my best to make this into um, a sort of legit production. Um, and the reception has been really great. I mean, I get between 50 and 100 views on these videos every single day. It's been almost a year since I've uploaded one and um, I still get very consistent viewership. And these are long form videos, you know, we're talking like, 10 minutes long. Um, and so even in the age of short form content, I'm still getting views on these. And so it's been encouraging. And um, I'm working on a number of more now because of how great the reception has been. Um, I'm gonna I'm attempting to keep that going. And, you know, it's like, it's not something that I see myself being able to monetize anytime soon. But as far as passion projects go, um, I, I really like the idea of building up a sort of history of the world through different countries that are more obscure and not really talked about much in Western media. Um, and uh, so far, those have been going really well. And we have, I, I, I'm proud to say that I have, I get really nice comments from people every few days, like, oh, thank you for making this, greetings from Switzerland. You know, it's like, it's cool, you know? And, and then you think um, about how I'm just, you know, some young kid in New York, almost. I mean, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm not a kid anymore, but I feel like a kid. But, um, you know, some young dude in, in America. And then here I'm making these projects about countries. Um, and I, they're actually getting noticed. In fact, um, the last thing I'll say about this is that um, when I made the documentary about Kazakhstan uh, a little bit over a year ago, um, it actually got noticed by um, someone from a German speaking newspaper based in Central Asia. Uh, a journalist actually saw it online, reached out to me and um, interviewed me. And then I got a little article published about uh, that documentary and about my work uh, in this German speaking newspaper. Um, and so like the whole article was fully in German uh, and that was really cool to see. And I sent it. So half of my family is German, um, my mom's side of the family. So I sent this to my German speaking grandma and she read, read the whole thing in German. It was like, Hey, you know, like a nice little thing. Um, so it's cool, you know, and really, again, just to bring it to a full circle of what we were talking about before, it's really amazing that we live in an era where you can create content on one side of the world and impact the lives of people on the other side of the world. And, um, it's really awesome that we're able to do that. So. Yeah, that's probably my number one passion project so far. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of just have, you know, a passion project in addition to work. Um, so it's good that I think I have some as well. So it's good that you did share some of that. Before we wrap up, there's a couple other questions I want to ask you. And the first one is if you could give advice to your younger self when you were just getting started or maybe someone who's looking to get into maybe videography, entrepreneurship, digital marketing, social media, What's your advice for someone that's just getting started or to your younger self? Um, anything you learned along the way that you'd want to share with, with someone just getting started? Absolutely. Um, so 
I would say to my younger self and to people getting started with their, with their businesses, be careful who you work with. It is everything. And a lot of people think that um, starting a business with, let's say your friends, it's a good idea. Um, but it, that can be deceiving because you think you know someone, but this, as soon as money gets involved, people start acting weird um, and egos get involved. And, you know, you can really go down a slippery slope if, um, if you're not careful. So um, I'll sort of quickly tell the story. This is actually the business I have now is actually my second business. My first business, um, which I started with my two friends from college around the same time as COVID, um, we were three people working sort of equal partners in this business. And we actually got a lot of job opportunities around the country. We were filming in Miami. Um, the, the commercial that I filmed for the dog client, uh, I actually filmed that with them. We were flown out to San Francisco um, to do this. And that was a cool opportunity for us. And so we were all working together very closely, but the kicker here is that they were dating. So it was, um, my two friends, obviously a guy and a girl, maybe not obviously, but you know, that's what it was a guy and a girl and me, and, um, they were dating and they were living together and they, you know, there was like very serious talk. Like they, they were talking about their future together and everything. And we of course all thought, Oh yeah, great idea. Let's all get into business together. I had this sort of gut feeling that something would maybe happen eventually. So I refrained from actually signing into the business uh, from an official standpoint. We were, we were equal partners. So every job that we did, we split the money three ways equally. Um, but I never actually signed into the business. And uh, that proved to be, you know, I, you got to listen to your gut. That's other advice I'll give. Always listen to your gut, especially with regards to people. If you get a little red flag with someone that you want to do business with, listen to that red flag and maybe still do that project with them. Um, because, you know, you have to manage the short term with the medium term with the long term. Um, so the projects that we did together, I'm very proud of. Um, but I had this gut feeling that something would go wrong. And lo and behold, they broke up last summer. And it was a big deal. It was like, you know, it was almost like a like a married divorce, like a couple of 30 years, except it wasn't. It was like three years. Um, and it, it was messy. It was like they were fighting. They were like legal fights over who owned what equipment. And um like all this stuff that I won't even get into. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that's the, the, the primary thing is that you got to be careful with who you work with. You got to be careful with working with your friends because people are weird with money and, you know, um, just, you gotta, you can only work with people that you, that you trust, you know, and I would even dare say that unless you have a close friendship with someone, you shouldn't mix friendship and business because it usually doesn't work. You know, you might end up ruining a good friendship. You learn about, uh, people, from a perspective that you might not have, that you might not have wanted to. Um, and it, it sort of makes you more cold, I think, socially towards friendship. It's like you hit, like my worldview kind of shifted a little bit from working with friends. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, but at, at, at the same time, um, my current business partner, Ari, um, you know, he's a great friend. We've always been really good and open with money together. And uh, every project, let's say if, if he's doing, you know, if he's in need of financial uh, help in that time, then uh, I'll maybe work for free or for a discount for one of our clients and he'll, he'll get a bigger cut or vice versa uh, because that's what friends do for each other, right? That's what real friends do for each other uh, when you work in business. But you can sort of tell, I, I guess I'll, I'll sum it up by you learn who your friends are if you work with them in business. Um, and yeah, just be wary of that, but don't, you know, don't, uh, don't reject it entirely, but just go with your gut, you know? So yeah, long winded answer, but there you go.
Yeah, no, I think that's a really good lesson, especially like like you said, friends or family. Um, you know, if you get in business with a significant other, you know, the odds are not in your favor for the business succeeding. So you just kind of have to watch out and just weigh the pros and cons kind of before you jump into that type of relationship. Totally agree with you that. Well, hey, we're running out of time, Lucas. Uh, where can people find you? Say they want to do business with you, whether it's through videography or consulting. Uh, where can people find you online? Awesome. Well, uh, people can send me an email. Uh, my email is very simple. It's uh, lucas.chasen, L-U-C-A-S dot C-H-A-S-I-N uh, at Gmail. I'm currently in the process of uh, building my website, building my social media. So um, very soon that will be uh, under the name of Chasen Media. Uh, that's my company. Um, so we're putting together the website um, and uh, all of those related, you know, all those related uh, fields to sort of increase our presence online. Um, if you're interested in my history documentaries, uh, you can follow uh, Real Politic on YouTube. It's R E E L P O L I T I K. Real Politic, um, and uh, I'll be I'll be uploading more videos uh, there uh, in the coming weeks and months. I'm actually almost done with the fourth one, um, and I have two more in development that I'm currently doing research for. And um, I have I know the countries I'm going to do after that. So um, if you like history, I'd really appreciate you going and subscribing to that channel. Um, and if you want to do business with me uh, for real, yeah, reach out to me on email. Very cool. Thank you, Lucas. And for you guys still listening, if you haven't checked out the first link down below, it's to my link tree. There, I have three free trainings for you guys that you can check out if you want free training on how to grow a following on Instagram, how to use ChatGPT to your advantage to make money. All of that is in my link tree. And I'm also going to leave a link down below to Lucas's email and to some of his passion project that he recommended that he was working on. So thanks again for tuning in everyone to the Marketing Edge podcast. Lucas, thanks for being here. You're our first guest and uh, super happy with how this interview went. And uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Me too. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it a lot. All right. See you, Lucas.